1: Greetings music nerds and welcome to season 7 of the Music Makers and Soul Shakers podcast. I'm your host Steve Dawson coming to you from the Hen House studio here in East Nashville, Tennessee. I'm so glad you've chosen to join me once again as we take some deep dives with a cast of wonderful musicians, producers and engineers that I've managed to track down and speak to about making music, records and just doing what they do in their lives and music. Don't forget there's a link to a playlist on Spotify and Apple Music with links to many of the songs we discuss on today's episode. You'll find links to those playlists in the show notes below or at our website. Meanwhile, the show continues to be largely listener supported. Your help in keeping the show going is always appreciated and you can do it with a one time donation or a Patreon subscription, which is a monthly payment of your choice. And when you sign up for Patreon, you get an ad-free version of the show to listen to, as well as getting entered to win a cunning prize pack from our sponsors at the end of the season. Or if you're tight for dough and you still want to help out, you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or just by spreading the word, sharing the show, following us on Instagram, YouTube and Facebook and telling all your pals about it. You can get links to all this stuff at makersandshakerspodcast.com. Meanwhile, a huge thanks to the sponsors this season. Please check them out and let them know I sent you. They are Union Tube and Transistor, Spectra 1964, the Deering Banjo Company, Mule Rezophonic Guitars, and the Henhouse Hang. All right, thanks so much to you for tuning in, and let's get down to it. Howdy, music nerds, and welcome back to the show. This is episode number 147, and my guest today is a masterful songwriter and singer from the Winnipeg area now, Mr. William Prince. Thanks for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. So I'm catching up here with two weekly back-to-back episodes due to missing one a couple weeks back when I was out of town and too busy to be able to get one out, so now we're back on schedule. It's back to first and third Wednesdays of every month, there's a new episode coming at your ears for the rest of the season. Okay. So meanwhile, I've had a great and crazy busy week, I guess, here at the studio working with an artist from Regina. Yes, Regina in Canada, but we worked here. His name was Jeff Straker, and he came down here to the Hen House, and we recorded the bulk of a really cool record here over those days, brought in some great friends and great players, and we let her rip. I gotta say, you know, making music this way with a bunch of people playing music together, every project kind of takes on a life of its own, and there's, like, memories and feelings that go along with each project that I know would not happen if we weren't working in a room together. So I'm very thankful to be Back with humans making music. Oh yeah. Anyway, now I'm gearing up to launch into another project with an incredible singer named Ndidi Anokulu, and I've worked with her before and looking forward to doing that again. That kicks off here in a couple days, so I'm pretty excited for all that stuff. I hope everyone out there is having a great summer. I've definitely been in the studio a lot here, but haven't been playing live as much as I'd like, I guess, but hopefully that'll balance itself out a bit. Who knows? These days, I dive in and work wherever the work is needed. Okay, I should mention that the giveaway we're going to be doing, which I've talked about before on the show, um, I'm going to be releasing some info on what's included in that soon. But rest assured, it'll be a killer prize pack, which will include at least a groovy guitar pedal from Union Tube and Transistor and a bunch of other cool swag from our other sponsors. So as a reminder for that prize pack, anyone that's a Patreon member, a supporter of the show will be automatically entered and the winner will be picked randomly from there. So you can sign up for that with a minimal monthly payment to support the show over at the website makersandshakerspodcast.com. So on the show this week is William Prince. He came by the Hen House here to talk with me on the eve of his grand old Opry debut, which is very exciting for him. And it was exciting for me to have him here. William hails from the Peguis First Nation in Manitoba, which is a couple hours outside of Winnipeg. I think it's north of Winnipeg. Which uh, Winnipeg, though, is where he now lives, and he's just released this killer record called Stand in the Joy, and it was great to get a chance to talk about that album, how he wrote the songs for it, how he recorded it, as well as his own personal music history and his upbringing around music. He's made a few records here now in Nashville and Savannah with Dave Cobb, and they really do sound amazing great playing great vibe and man what a voice william has i just saw him again uh, a couple of weeks ago when i backed him up for a couple of tunes at a workshop at the vancouver folk fest and man that dude can sing he's a juno award winner he has a bunch of other accolades and awards for his various records his last couple are really deep and amazing sounding so check out uh, reliever from 2020 the new one which i mentioned stand in the joy And also, right after Reliever came out, he also put out a really traditional-sounding gospel record, and that's cool, too. And that's called Gospel First Nation. So William's going to be out working a ton this year and next year as well, I'm sure. So check out all of his dates at williamprincemusic.com. And when I was searching to verify that that was his website and searching William Prince, as you can imagine, mostly Prince William pages came up on the search engine. But William Prince music is where you will find him. So let's get down to it. Thanks for listening. Please enjoy my conversation with William Prince.: Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about your your relationship with Nashville a bit because you've made a couple of records here now sure, and yeah. it seems like you keep coming back. It comes up in a couple songs too. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you think of this place? Like does it it must have affected the way you make records, but, but from your point of view, what draws you back to this town?
2: Well, it's you know, it speaks for itself, you this this town, when you're a Canadian, when you're from a northern reserve, uh, First Nation, you know, uh, Nashville is a thing of lore, really. It's it's the, the, the town. This yeah. is this is music city. This is where all country music is born and dies, it feels like when you're <laughs> when you're from there, you know. You yeah. just say Nashville and it's synonymous with music where I come from for sure, you know, uh-huh. and We're really just a straight shot up from you from you from here to get yeah. to Winnipeg and That's where I currently live, but Peg was First Nation about two hours north of Winnipeg.
1: Oh, that's you where know, you're, that's where you grew up That's
2: that's where I hail from originally. Okay. I've, I've spent the latter half of my life in Winnipeg now, but uh, That's that's where I started for sure and Nashville just means a lot because you almost feel like you can find an answer here you know and you can you can feel it's gonna do something to your music I I'm very much a strong believer and if you can't write a song in Winnipeg you're not gonna be able to write a song here in Nashville so <laughs> I do have that kind of mentality towards it I think uh-huh. this place is just like you shoot hoops in the driveway and then you get to go do it like on a real a real court to just kind uh-huh. of elevates who you are and your experiences yeah all that stuff. So I love this town, you know. And, have you I'm,
1: spent a lot of time here over the, like, uh, you know, obviously you made records here, but have you also mm. come down to do re- any writing or anything like that? No writing. I, I'd love an invite, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm ready. I,
2: I've spent, yeah, I've got coming up on a dozen visits, I'd say, somewhere okay. in that neighborhood, different radio things, and, yep. uh, you know, over the years working with Dave and Dave Cobb and, you um, I've I've made a at least a piece of every almost every record I've made has been made here in Nashville and including
1: you know, the first one like I there, I couldn't find any credits on the first one so I have, so the
2: first one I made and self released uh, my debut of sorts and then uh, that was back in 2015 it would have been just the end of 2015. And then I, I got a deal, and then we re-released that record, new packaging, remastered. And oh, the all that. same record. Yeah, the okay. Earthly Days record. Yep. You know that that came out again uh, in 2018, essentially. And what I had done was, we took a song, Breathless, from that record. Yep. And uh under under the motivation and advice of the label at the time they said you know let's who who's your dream producer who would you love to work with and i just you know i thought of the person that that makes all my favorite music you know um all these records that that dave cobb has made over time and the yeah. fact that like a friend of mine colter wall made a record with him sure. and we're we're essentially provincial neighbors, you know, he's Saskatchewan, I'm Manitoba and just felt like wow, like uh Could do it. a Could Canadian can go down there and, yeah. and make a record. So that was that was a big Big inspiration behind working with Dave. I, I love the the sound of his records, and yeah. so it was really, yeah. That's my experience. in Nashville is is making records here. And it's about the quintessential experience, I'd say.
1: Uh huh. It sure is. <laughs> yeah. So starting from the second record. So you worked with Scott Nolan, though, right? Yeah,
2: my good friend Scott from Winnipeg, and yeah, we made the first version of Earthly Days entirely in his studio, and. Uh, went on to win a Juno uh, from yeah. there, and that's what led to the the signing, and the remake, the remix, and our remaster, I should say. And but yeah, Scott's been a part of every record. He made half of Reliever as well. I made yeah. I made half of Reliever down here in Nashville, and then I put out a. Uh, an ode to the first learnings of gospel music that I've ever done. Uh, I made this record called Gospel First Nation. Yeah,
1: I want to talk to you about that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. So, but uh, it was just the time, you know, after after what we had just been through the kind of the big pause. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was starting my journey up the American Mountain all over again. You know, <laughs> it's it's a big territory to conquer when you're I from know. Canada, especially you gotta. You're you're a trans. You're not just a transfer student to a new school. Like you're a international student. Damn and, right, man. And so uh, I have all the respect for the American artists that that you know break through in some way and make some kind of headway up this. Uh, yeah, this mountain we 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 climb together. Especially considering that Canadian artists a lot of times can be backed by government funding to go on tours to make records. So. I'm I'm fully aware of of the grind it is down here, and so I'm just uh, I'm just trying to make my way as organically as possible, you know. And starting over, I thought the best way uh I, I can't i can't really live down here right now my my son needs me you know mm-hmm. i'll always be you got a young young i got son, a six-year-old right? son yeah. and i'll always be in his hometown until you know yeah. he doesn't really need me he can fly on his own to find me again someday <laughs> but maybe nashville will be a spot one day and until then i'm happy to to make the journey and yeah and and be here yeah it's not that hard
1: to get to get here yeah, we need, that.
2: we need a direct. Winnipeg needs a direct to Nashville. Yeah. I think that it's Calgary tiny.
1: one is totally unreliable. Oh, geez. There's that direct to Calgary, and it's cool when it happens, but it's like three times a week and seasonal so it's not ideal i'm from vancouver so oh geez yeah well wow. yeah i spent i've spent my fair share of time in the peg
2: yeah my partner is born in victoria but she oh, yeah. grew up south of calgary
1: and so All now right. she lives in winnipeg
2: with me going on four years now
1: i made a bunch of records for big dave mclean you probably know that oh, guy oh my goodness <laughs> we're well we're and uh <laughs> carrie latimer you probably know her Yeah. leaf rapids i mean oh, of course of love carrie
2: and love dave
1: I've I've done a bit of stuff with Scott, like at festivals and stuff like that. But wow! So we're old, bit, we're old pals by proxy. This yeah, is man. fun. Yeah.
2: Jeez. Oh, well, let's hit record then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about your situation growing up on the reserve, like what it was like. So two hours north of Winnipeg. That's um that's up there, man.
2: Yeah, you know what? It's not that remote. When you think of like really remote, that's when we're talking by plane. Like my my mom was raised in Churchill, you know, way up north where you got to oh, yeah. fly into it, take the train to it. And some of those places, when you reach the seven hour mark north, yeah. that's when it starts to become northern, you yeah. know. So thankfully, I was just two hours from Winnipeg. So we would make my family, you know, we do our monthly grocery shopping and put stuff in the freezer and it was always a nice time my my dad only got paid once a month so at the end of the month we would go and you'd be flush you know go and restock and yeah. pick up a cd or something or a season of a show on dvd and like yeah. get your get your fast food that you don't get when you're when you're living in the country so yeah we were total city travelers and multiple trips a month kind of thing so we had access and thankfully you know pegasus is um it's 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 got a ways to go but it is one of the more um i guess advanced reserves where in terms of like we have more adequate housing than Uh. a lot of reserves we have more running water you know that's clean and drinkable and um the community itself is really vibrant in that sense Um, that's not to say it it could use Triple the opportunities and employment and yep. resources for, for dealing with all sorts of things. But I was lucky that I grew up in Peguis, surrounded by a community that that knew my family and my history with that place. You know, it's you've
1: got you've got some pretty important history there, right? Like your yeah. your your great grandfather yeah, was yeah. one of the yeah, he's the
2: founding the founder of the reserve, Chief Peguis. So okay. Uh, that's where my name comes from, you know, Chief Peguis, and decided after meeting Queen Victoria that he would name all his sons. You met Queen
1: Victoria? Yeah,
2: back oh. in, way back eight, the Treaty of 1871. And, you know, from that day forward, he was asking Queen Victoria, what are your sons called? And she said, well, all my sons are princes. And then and when adopting an English oh. name, William King, you know, right. Chief Peguis was dubbed King of the Indians and so he became William king and all his sons thereafter were princes so I got no all my kidding. grandfather's name, William Prince, Henry Prince, George Prince. Yeah, I was going to say,
1: it's a pretty pretty British sounding name. Yeah, it's about name. the
2: most British colonized name <laughs> yeah. you could possibly have. <laughs> yeah, as colonized a, is a better word for it. <laughs> indigenous say, yeah. singer, I know, I'm
1: aware. So was there music around there a lot? Like I, I know that, you know, from some other people I know that have grown up on reserves, that there's a lot of, you know, some some people grew up around a lot of blues and and country sure. music definitely is a thing there. Um, yep. What was it like on your uh, reserve there? Well, First Nations people, I'm, I'm
2: not gonna speak for all of us, but a vast majority, have a really good ear for music. And mm-hmm. you know, thing I, I, I think of my dad's influence, country music, huge on reserves because you're 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 living in the country. We're not that different. We're people from a small town. Like we turn the reserves into small towns. There's small town drama, small town <laughs> romance. There's <laughs> small town talk. <clears throat> pardon me, pardon me. Um, <laughs> you know, there's there's driving in trucks down a gravel road and sitting with your baby on the tailgate stuff uh-huh. there's baseball tournaments there's hockey tournaments and there's always something blaring on the st- on the stereo in the arena or out in the field and it's usually along the lines of you know ACDC and such, and sure. then you think of the country, like you know Steve Earle and and uh, all the greats, like Johnny Cash and Kristofferson, Willie and mm-hmm. and Merle, and all the great you know the the cloth of great country lives out there, and then all the Canadian favorites, of course, yeah. that, that we love, like the Tragically Hip. And, sure. So it's it's a rock, it's a country rock nation for mm-hmm. sure. So my my exposure would have come from my dad's modest collection of music uh they like they what, had, what
1: were some of the things that stuck with you that he had around the house well i was lucky too because
2: my parents had a a dj business for some time and you as a canadian may know the concept of a social and like people getting married and having a wedding and stuff it's a very manitoba thing but if you have this like gathering of people before you get married it's like a big party to help you get married essentially your yeah. friends will buy silent auction tickets and drink up the bar for you and <laughs> basically help you pay for your wedding yeah. so my my parents would often DJ these events ah. so they'd haul in the you know the the cassette collection the cassette, and, and the just turn it for going strong back CDs then, yeah. you know were yeah. really taking off and yeah. um yeah, he would DJ these dances. You oh, know.
1: DJing with cassette. That's that's oh, a yeah. that's a talent.
2: Dual tape decks going, you know, and <laughs> you got your Billy Idol at one AM kind of thing. <laughs> Mono Money shutting it down. Of course. All that stuff. Um so that was always around, and I love the classics that he loved. All the big voices. He he was a baritone singer, so he favored all the great baritones. So that he,
1: runs in the family.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, deeper voice than mine. Really, you know? I think of him and his love for Charlie Pride and and Cash and all those kind of essential voices of that time. And then my mom's balance was the was the Beach Boys and Whitney Houston and oh, okay. Anne Murray. You know, and and all these greats, Joni and Celine. You know, I just think of these great artists that come from Canada as well. But all of that found its way into my mind, into my being. Then I just loved the rhythm of music. I loved singing. I was not a good singer then. And,
1: you know, always finding and learning my voice to this day. Um, Did you ever go through a period of learning a, a bunch of like, country tunes or anything like that was that part of your background No, I have learned a couple hundred gospel tunes. Okay. That's the thing. Yeah. And that is that's like
2: that's the the grape before the wine, you know? Right. Like it's it's that's the root of most stuff when I think of like old Hank Williams and yeah. like the framework for song um, that would have found its way into music like John Prine and and again Cash and such uh, that stuff was very much in the periphery of my childhood all the time so so.
1: somebody like prine that's a little more i mean it's not like he's obscure but it's not mainstream country and and really never was was that something that was also kicking around in in your family's
2: world okay yeah. yeah yeah when i think of when i think of the wide collection of things now on top of these classics, I would also stumble upon things like Green Day, you yeah. know, and different pop records, Meat Loafs, Battle How would you Hell. come across that
1: stuff, like radio? It was and... in the
2: CD collection. Oh, okay. So it was in my at home, the you know, like they would play <laughs> yeah. when I come around at the <laughs> yeah. weddings and such. So I, I had access to a number. I would pull a CD, look at the cover, look at the band, the Gypsy Kings, you know, and <laughs> just thinking of these wild records I would listen to and yeah. really take in music as a young person. So
1: Was there any rebellion in it at all? Like, were you like, ah, shit, that's my parents' music. I'm not really digging that. Or you know, we no, always into I, it. I
2: I was not rebellious. I was uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was a safe kid. You know, yeah. I I had my eye on a different prize. You know, when you do really well. Uh, on the reserve, they will send you to university and help you with a small mm-hmm. allowance to help with the cost of tuition, and books, and your monthly expenses, and basically, you know, pay for your education so mm-hmm. that you can go on and do something, contribute, and sure. you know, make the reserve proud, be an ambassador of this place. I'm very much an ambassador of my home nation, you mm-hmm. know, and I just got a call today about how proud they are about the Opry and such, and just different yeah, things that are going on in my so. life right now. You know and yeah but yeah I'm influenced by by all music I was lucky that I, I had some and then you know we, we were lucky to have a uh, satellite so yeah. I could I could watch the music video station mm-hmm. once I was a teenager to start forming my own loves for music. And I really, yeah, they kind of go rock or rap. And I yeah. went the rock and roll route, you know, heavy bands, know. screamo, emo, pop, punk, all those things. They were all kind of tying in together. And, and I just loved consuming music. I was like the... They got the 96 cd book at school with me at all times kind of kid you know big can headphones and yeah in between classes i was in a different world dreaming of being there
1: so did you start performing when you were a kid at all yeah i had oh, a terrible
2: did. terrible cover tribute band in high school Sweet. and you know uh i would always play metallica songs and such and uh, Could you sing that stuff, or were you just? I tried. yeah okay, Yeah. I, I'm. I'm not an alto singer. I can't picture in, you doing it. But, but <laughs> it was definitely a, a voice that was put on. You know. Yeah. It had a rock cadence to it, yeah. and you know, you, you imitate what you love at the beginning. Totally. and That's what I was doing. I was, I was headfirst into the, the big Marshall Meza stack amps and yeah. the effects pedals, and that's what I thought my musical life would be. Mm-hmm. You know, you
1: pictured yourself
2: like in a rock band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know. I, and then just Did you have
1: any success with that like did you do any stuff outside of I made of a your... record
2: when I was like 22 with a band you know oh, yeah. it's it's if you look hard enough you can find it it's not What was the band called? Well you can go
1: find it uh, <laughs> no comment yeah no comment um but where where did you make where did it like was that was there a studio up where you were or did you go to winnipeg no
2: i i would have been in university so i Mm -hmm. was in i was in winnipeg already and established there for school and saved up some money with some friends and we all you know i wrote all the songs and they were all budding musicians who were you know really
1: finding their own craft too and so yeah we collaborated. Winnipeg's got a pretty sweet live music scene, always has, but like it's pretty noticeable now too that it's a strong supportive community. Is that something that you feel a part of, or do you feel like you are gone so much that it's not necessarily a huge part of your life anymore?
2: I like to think i'm I'm a part of it. you know I we support each other to a degree. It could still be more. Mm-hmm. you know, I think of uh, everybody's rooting for me when they see me that's yeah. that's how it feels for yeah. sure um when i go to the times changed high and lonesome club you know i feel like it's like cheers down there you know <laughs> everybody knows your name kind of thing so yeah as far as belonging in the winnipeg music scene um as long as i got a friendly greeting at times change i'm gonna always feel a that's pretty much the, it, you the, know? the bar to set right that's that's the one so yeah. do you yeah. ever play there I have, you know, in the past I've, I've featured on a performance of Scott's. I may have sang a one-off song and then I had in 2019, I had my own show there. I just, I had to do a night at times and they sold it out for me in a second.
1: What's your usual haunt for Winnipeg, West End Cultural Center or something, or where do you play? uh,
2: Yeah, for years it has been the West End Cultural Center. Jason Hooper and Mm Co over there take such good care of me and, um, I just recently graduated to the Burton Cummings Theater. Oh, nice. So, it was, you know, we did 1,600 seats sold out for my last show Very there good. in, uh, in the fall. That must feel pretty amazing, eh? unreal feeling you know that's a great
1: theater too it's like that old school canadian kind of Oh, it's
2: totally vaudeville and (laughs) like meant for acoustic sound so a quieter show thrives in that building and that's where we're a quieter show so
1: i played there with matt anderson last i was in in his band we went through probably in 2019 we were not a quiet band and it still sounded good yeah it's great (laughs) i opened
2: for a number of people there too like leading up to my own moment that was that's the building I saw my first concert in for real, like what was that? I was eleven I saw Corey Hart there I nice. <laughs> you know, uh, might be obscure everybody knows sunglasses at night that's, yeah. you know uh, so i I saw I saw Corey Hart there, and then I'd go on to later uh open for Dwight Yoakam in that building. Work it I opened for uh, a band called The Watchmen, yeah. a great rock band from Canada. Yeah. And then I did one of two nights in Winnipeg, opening for Neil Young in that building. Shit. So To go from that experience to
1: my own, you know, people must freak out when Neil plays in that in Winnipeg. I bet, eh? Well, it was really
2: neat because he was on a solo tour where he's doing, you know, the guitars and in Pump a circle organ and all, and all that stuff. All yeah. the five, you know, four pianos on stage mm-hmm. essentially, and so I did a I did a few shows with him in the states, and then to do, uh, Winnipeg. The night before and the night of my birthday. Oh my god. Is like a pinch kind of moment, you know. Yeah. And threw me a birthday party. Unbelievable, you know, like Neil and Daryl, Daryl Hannah, his wife, yeah, yeah, his whole incredible crew just sang me happy birthday. Amazing. They always pour the love on me. I don't know what I did to Leline and the same
1: <laughs> cosmos as did Neil. Did that come out of the blue? Like was, was did had you met him before or anything or
2: I I was singing a song at the uh, songwriter's Hall of Fame induction for yeah. for both Bruce Coburn, another beloved Canadian genius artist, mm-hmm. and Neil was like the secret inductee that night. So he happened to be in the building. Okay, and then I sang a song by Bruce, Stolen Land, uh, with my friend Alyssa P. Isaac, and she and I sang that Bruce Coburn song together. And I guess Neil, I had the pleasure of sitting and having dinner with Bob, Bob Young, Neil's brother. Oh yeah, and he told me the whole story of how Neil was really moved by the performance, and wow, it was Does Bob still moment. live in Winnipeg? No, Bob lives in Ontario, okay. and <clears throat> but yeah, near uh, near where they grew up. So, yeah. but he travels with Neil once in a while, and yeah, he shared that wonderful story of Neil was moved by my performance, and said we got a we got to have him along so oh, man. incredible feeling yeah. so i just i got to meet him that night in the stairwell and he gave me a big hug wow and, oh it just felt so great you know what a moment that is was his
1: music something that you'd grown up with as well like did neil's neil's rock music was in my life more than you know? more than like the i
2: didn't even know of neil young's true like acoustic hmm. you know catalog until you get a little older and of course like Heart of Gold's on the radio and yeah. and keep on rocking in the free world was basically the main Neil Young exposure i had
1: when you were a kid that was you know? probably and
2: you're a kid you don't understand it you yeah. know he makes fun of his own singing and stuff it's not perfect <laughs> pop production you don't get well it say. it's like Neil Young is like Seinfeld you know you get older <laughs> and you really appreciate the genius of yeah. of what it is and so yeah, I'm. I'm so. I'm. I'm a huge fan. I've been going through all his records. I subscribe to the archive. You know. Yeah, me too. I keep up with all those things. I just ordered the fiftieth anniversary. I just got my fiftieth anniversary uh, harvest in the mail for nice. Christmas just in nice. time. So yeah, I'm. I'm so grateful to Neil, and I'm probably. Yeah, getting to be one of his biggest fans. Are there some
1: shows with him in the future as well?
2: I don't know when he's coming back. You know, he's got his own thing going on right now. He's got, uh, he doesn't want to perform at venues that don't have like locally sourced foods. He's very passionate about that. And his own carbon footprint is something he's always working on with his, you know, the fuel in the bus and the going electric and things. And,. Uh, also, shit. also, just you know, just from what he's spoken on about like being safe with with COVID and such. So, I don't know. I'd love to be there if he if he makes his way. Yeah, I heard him on he makes um, his way
1: back. Rick Rubin's podcast recently, and he's kind of lukewarm about whether he's going to play ever again. Kind of. thing. Yeah,
2: so. you know, seventy five yeah. now, but he's still spry. And yeah, I man. just I just saw him on Howard. You know, not long ago. Mm-hmm. I follow all the stuff. So, <laughs> I, I, anywhere he goes, I'm I'm usually there.
1: Tell me about like what that period was like between when you're playing in rock bands and like doing that thing up until you release your first record which mm. i don't know that one as well but um i mean at that point it seems like you're kind of more or less fully formed as the artist that we know you as geez that's nice today to say. <laughs> well i mean y- you've found your voice like literally your your voice is like you know in in good form at that point. You obviously know its capabilities and, and how to use it.
2: Truthfully, I'm testing it on that record. Yeah. You know, I finally just said, I've been trying to, to mimic and imitate.
1: That's what I'm wondering long. about. Like, so like how what what brought the individuality of your voice out? Do you think?
2: In,
0: in
1: you those... know,
2: it it really came from a few years of of hanging with Scott oh, yeah. Nolan, not making music. I'm uh-huh. just getting to know one another and you know he's the one that guided me very gently and lovingly towards like the power that's with that's in my natural voice like basically it's just a slightly elevated version of my speaking voice yep. you know and yep. um I don't know the things that used to make me the most insecure the the baritone voice or the and like my size and even being First Nations, you know, are the things that are most memorable about me now. Mm-hmm. And it was back then that I gave them a chance to shine. You know, I mm-hmm. I said I can't call it quits on my music career without having any music in the world. You know, I got to try. There's got to be a jumping off point that we can compare and contrast to later down the road. Now we're yeah. four records in and you can feel like the growth within them. Totally. And, like, that's what I love is that, that, that it, it started everything, it got the wheels in motion, and I was so fortunate to to have any attention on that first record is something you hope for, and yeah. people, uh, people made a space for me, so.
1: At this point in the show, I'd like to thank our amazing sponsors for the season. We couldn't do it without their support, and this year they are Mule Resophonics. Swing wider for inspiration with Mule Resophonic guitars. These are Resophonic guitars built for acoustic guitar players, not just blues guitars, not just slide guitars. You don't need to play them in open tunings. They're set up with normal acoustic guitar action, and they have some of the best feeling necks in the game. Trust me, they're wicked. These musical tools wake up your ear and influence your playing towards uncharted musical realms. Check out the current lineup of guitars at the Mule store at MuleRezophonic.com. Thanks to Spectra 1964. For over 50 years, Spectra 1964 has established a reputation of creating some of the most innovative recording equipment on the market today. Their consoles and preamps were behind the sound of so many great American studios of the 1960s through to today. Spectra 1964 continues the legacy of providing incredible recording products for the home or professional studio. Check them out at spectra1964.com. Union Tube and Transistor. Union is known for guitar effects pedals with a focus on quality and simplicity. They build durable, repairable products that sound amazing both on stage and in the studio. Their fuzz effects and compression pedals are insanely cool. I use the Tone Bender Fuzz, the More Pedal, the Lab, and the Swindle Overdrive all the time in sessions and live on stage. You can find out more about them at uniontone.com. And finally, The Hen House Hang is a three-day immersive recording experience at The Hen House Studio in East Nashville with me, Steve Dawson. It'll be in September 2023 and then upcoming again in September of 2024 join us for a musical learning experience like no other. We'll show you the ropes of recording roots in Americana music by bringing you in on a real session with real musicians working on real songs from the ground up. You can get all the info at stevedawson.ca. Just follow the links on the front page to the Hen House Hang. All right, then let's get back to the show. Like, how did the writing process start for you? Because had you been, there's sort of a period where, like, you weren't a kid when you put your first record out. No, I was 29. Man, that's pretty, yeah. Yeah. It's old, man. Yeah, so. so. like, what were you, what was going on musically in your life up until that point?
2: I was trying, you know. You were? I I was, it was a a matter of money. I had a lot of hard years where, Mm -hmm. when I left university and, you know, I had personal struggle that Mm -hmm. eventually Took me to china you know to to live with a friend for a while and then really yeah i stayed there with one of my best my best friend and a hard relationship that took a lot from me and kind of left me spinning and reeling and uh, i went and got back on my feet living in china for a few months and wrote a bunch of songs there did you and then it would have been 2014 that i came home from china and i'm sitting back in the same apartment no further ahead, you know. Really, other than the experience, like I was thinking, I spend my whole time there uh, playing music every night. I lucked out, and I was supposed to just have a weekend in China. Yeah, so I was supposed to have a weekend gig. Yeah, and the bar managers heard me and connected me with all the other bars that the expats would go to. So all the Western kind what, of theme what part bars. of China was this Guangzhou. Oh, so, shit! How did yeah. you end up there? Well, my best friend was a teacher there, oh, okay. and it was the Manitoba curriculum that they were teaching at the private school, Whoa. and they always needed subs. So he paid to have me over there, he's like, hey, man, you're not yourself. Come <laughs> hang. Come stay with me in my big apartment. Yeah. It's paid for by the school, and oh like, my God. we always need subs, and I can get you a gig on the weekends probably, you know, one night a week at least. You can play your music, and yeah. so I didn't end up substituting at all, maybe like a handful of times. Yeah and they offered me like just a flat fee to play every night except thursday so i wow. play like 27 nights a month
1: that's how you get good right there
2: yeah, yeah. Wow. so it'd be an hour of just you Or i uh, do originals for an hour yeah and then i do like stripped back versions of you know western radio like like what and like pop songs oh, yeah, know, like okay. like teenage dream katy perry <laughs> oh, like acoustic because what would close the the language barrier was modern popular music modern pop. you know mm-hmm. music from the
1: west so everybody so, but there it, the bars weren't filled with expats
2: it, no they okay. they'd be you know chinese predominantly clientele and then like teachers and other expats that knew each other would visit the bars and come and yeah, so it was really great. I'd take the bus into town and yeah. know, always had dinner. always had plenty of Jameson. Yeah. And I I'd made $100 Canadian every night. Sweet. Which was more than and enough. And you weren't paying rent. You no, know, no rent. Perfect. It was just like the perfect rehabilitation time for yeah. me. So yeah. I spent a lot of that time writing, just kind of quietly observing and trying to get ready at my skill or get better, sorry, at my, my craft and skill on my own. And Did I,
1: you feel like you were getting better? I think so yeah Yeah.
2: i was starting to i was starting to
1: write more so because were people connecting with your your song your original songs if they i mean if they don't speak the language it's pretty
2: yeah they they loved uh they liked my singing voice okay and i think at first they also thought that i was just this you know anomaly chinese performer who (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, had a great English accent and was tall and, you know, I okay. I, I, I get Hawaiian, I get Samoan, I get Asian a lot, you know, okay. First Nations. Uh, it blends and a little bit. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go and I'd play my show and then I'd come back and I would work on original music you know i'd have the whole day i'd have yeah. from 1 a.m till 5 p.m the next day kind of thing It was right. all my time while well, my my buddy would be at work teaching yeah i'd see him on the way out the door to catch the bus and go set up for my you know seven thirty, eight o'clock set depending and then yeah yeah it really really brought me back to life it was a good time you know so I, what
1: brought you back to to winnipeg
2: well, you're only allowed to stay there for 120 days, huh. like the two visas. And so I came back and just kind of got things rolling again where I was thinking about, I got to get serious about this. I got I to gotta make a record finally. And I thought by this time, you know, 2014, 15, was had seen me on TV a few times. You know, I'd had a couple... Couple breakfast television appearances mm-hmm. and played some bigger shows that were televised and they knew that I was a performer and I'd played in the community and played shows around the city a little bit and played in a, played in a rock band. Another band called Indian City that like mm-hmm. my good mentor who just recently passed actually Vince Fontaine and oh I knew Vince yeah so Vince Fontaine you know he was a mentor of mine one of my first ones when I came to the city okay. to Winnipeg yeah. and guided me and helped keep my name in the paper as he put it you mm-hmm. know and make a few bucks playing music so that was always great it was a tough time you know it was a lot of learning and different things pawning my guitar I was at the height of oh, man smoking cigarettes and yeah you know I was really fixated on just smoking weed and writing songs for a long time and I still do some of that you know but (laughs) at at that point it was new to me you know I was really kind of shaking all these shackles of shame oppression and just kind of like finally being my own person and trying to trying to make something of myself working a job i changed some oil for a while you know i
1: make a few bucks
2: yeah Mm -hmm. i i was a bouncer at a bar for a little while and i um i do whatever whatever could pay the bills until yeah i worked on worked on country radio for a little bit and like like djing yeah oh cool did some other things too and yeah but all the while the main thing was always writing songs
1: you know you were more focused on writing than you were performing them
2: yeah i thought that
1: did you ever think about being a writer for other people that was the dream oh okay yeah
2: i'd kind of given up on the idea that like you know somebody like me doesn't typically break open the doors of stardom i thought you know like a a large first nations man i didn't see any of them really there weren't really any in the country scene of course yeah You know, uh, I just rest in peace to Shane Yellowbird, who just passed not long ago, but he was only like the third indigenous person asked to perform on the Grand Ole Opry. And I think of uh, my friend Crystal Shawanda, you know, Mm -hmm. she she was like somebody I looked up to in the beginning as well. And she really made it seem like I, as an indigenous person, First Nations person could go and also, you know, make an impact like that on on cmt country music television you know and used to play in the restaurant or the kfc where my mom worked (laughs) on the reserve all the time so yeah music was always around Uh in in that way so i lived a life that was i was always listening i i used to listen to way more music back then just constantly ingesting songs and studying them and trying to learn them and i don't really i'm not
1: a did you model your writing after anyone in particular, or was it just like everything you heard, you were sort of soaking it up?
2: Yeah, I, I modeled it mainly off of like alt-rock stuff, you know, big oh, yeah. epic intro into, yeah, yeah. you know, slightly tapered verse. And I can then hear explosive. that in your music,
1: like in a, in a subdued kind of different so way. It's... It
2: respects format, you know, it, yeah. it respects... Um, like the structure of song mm-hmm. but that goes back that goes back to gospel music too you sure. know you, you learn the, the verse chorus verse chorus of things and then mm-hmm. so yeah it all it all plays into the music i write today
1: was there ever any doubt in your mind about the direction that you're style of music was gonna take like when you first did that record with Scott was there any like were you thinking it might be more of a rock record or like did that ever come up or was it just like this is what's coming out of their sort of finger-picky folky kind of songs and that's the way you're gonna go or like how did you land on that the sound of that first record well, our
2: first ever demo together is a terrible poppy kind of oh, yeah. program drum song that I thought was the best. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm so glad it never came out or became anything. But it was really just sitting in his company and watching how he performed and uh-huh. watching, you know, I'm living in Winnipeg for a while now. I'm starting to see local music more. Yeah. You know, uh, up until that point, up until my first uh, second years of university, I'm only 17 years old. You know, I I, I skipped a grade, so I was young in mm. university. Couldn't go to the bars yet. Yep. So the first eight months of my life living in in the city is limited to university. So I'd see people at the coffee shops. You know, yep. I'm like, wow, these are people performing in the quad. You know, yep. and in the front lawn for for the first week of university and like real Winnipeg bands. And <laughs> so it just it just kind of gave me that feeling of like everyday folks do this all the time it's just how much you stay dedicated
1: at it and keep working and you know was there a period where you did a ton of playing around town to sort of work up the songs or did you just kind of get into the studio and start working on on no
2: i i really um my big thing was putting songs on youtube oh yeah so i used to just finish a song and hit record and share it with the world oh and, really it would get 100, 110 views yeah. and i felt like i was a songwriter yeah that was my first like feeling of i'm sort of doing this and those comments those early first comments would encourage me and people would like it a little bit and just kept me motivated i wanted to be like gordy sampson truthfully uh-huh. a
1: country writer yeah so I could write. That's a tough thing to imagine how to do it. Really, yeah. That's you know,
2: it. So in the meantime, I thought I'll just get better at it, uh-huh. and then when the time comes that I can actually put those wheels in motion, I'll have some songs to show. You yeah. know, I'm still waiting on that. I'd love to write a Jesus <laughs> take the wheel, and then just you know use that to to keep funding my own my own mountain climbing and such. Yeah. But. Yeah, eventually it got to a point where I had all these songs and there was nobody to sing them, I didn't really know about publishing or Mm -hmm. placements, I didn't have a manager, an agency, anything, it was just me and the the hopes of doing it professionally one day, and so stuck with it, and it led to this place where I eventually made a record um, that just sounded like me, you know, and wow, who would have thought that that's what people wanted to hear. Mhm, you know.
1: Was that process pretty quick? Like how did you guys get yeah, that done? Yeah, we did in 10 done? days. 10 days from beginning <laughs> yeah. from like including mixing and everything? Yeah, super yeah. modest budget it yeah. was like
2: you know, a couple takes per thing and then basically it was the Scott Nolan band. Like Scott mm-hmm. played drums, bass, keys, yeah. guitars on it for me. Yeah. So we kept the costs
1: low and uh Did you get some funding from like Manit- Manitoba? No, I got funding
2: again from my home reserve. I had written a a forty-page proposal, (laughs) showing my path to stardom. You know, I said, if you just give me the seeds, yeah, I promise I'll turn this into an orchard of some sort. You know, and I really, I'm so thankful to them because of you know seeing me on TV and. Uh, watching me advance, playing these bigger shows, Indigenous yeah. Day Live, like some of my uh-huh. first big shows in Canada on a national stage, uh, that was enough for them to say, "Okay, he's obviously doing this for real. Let's support it." So they gave me um, they gave me some money again, very modest, and just I was able to get the artwork and get it mixed mm-hmm. and mastered. You learn. You know, I watched my dad make records, so I knew how much it was going to cost and what it would take. And then I thought, once I have a physical copy of a CD in my hand, it's it's off to the races. But, yeah, you learn that's not all of it either. Mm-hmm. You got to tour. You got to mm-hmm. get somewhere else.
0: Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
1: So did you start touring right away after that record came out? Uh,
2: not traditional touring like in a van playing bars i i had the record i played it around town a little bit i was starting to get a little bit of buzz because they put a song on the radio and then okay uh that kind of i was the new fresh thing you know and that was really great the the power of discovery almost shock discovery like i've never heard a voice like this in a while and uh-huh. Uh, He's indigenous. He's from Manitoba and, you know, it's resonating. It's
1: doing well. And then. Where were you getting airplay? Was it on like CBC or. Yeah, it
2: would have been CBC. Yeah. So people were starting to get to know me in Canada and then on the indigenous music countdown. So that was great to get my name out a little bit. And uh, we submitted the record to the Junos just to, you know, just so it's documented that this whoever this William Prince guy is, he at least submitted, mm-hmm. and maybe come some years down the line, will really consider his album for a nomination. And I just finished playing one of the toughest, like, six-person house shows in Edmonton, Alberta. Oh boy! And you know, I kind of woke, up, woke up, woke <laughs> up in the Smoky Ramada, and I was, you know, double nominated and everybody suddenly knew who i was yeah so that was well, like what did real, that
1: album get nominated for it like was nominated
2: roots contemporary album mm-hmm. of the year is the one i won yeah. and then also indigenous uh recording or indigenous uh yeah recording of the year yeah so those two categories i i was truthfully shocked because up until then there was only one person nominated of indigenous descent for really? the roots contemporary yeah as buffy saint marie wow so I was the That's second company, man. the second in history. Yep. And then after I got nominated, it seems every year now there's a new indigenous nominee in the roots contemporary category. Friends of mine, yep. you know, that yep. have won, like Leela Gilday and Julian Taylor, being nominated, and just now they've created a traditional indigenous category oh, so that the more cool. modern tradition, more modern indigenous music can also hold a place while not taking away from things such as drumming and yep. Inuit throat singing and right. such. So. That category expanding is always good for helping people discover other indigenous totally. talent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I played with Julian down here actually when he was here uh, at Americana last you year. You know, everybody. <laughs> oh, that's great. a <laughs> man the block. of the people. a man of the people. <laughs> so tell me a, a bit about the new record. Um, I'd love to hear about the process a little bit and maybe how this one has been different for you. I guess tell me your, how the whole thing with Dave Cobb started. You, you mentioned that you'd, just said to the label, like, this is the guy that I think mm. I'd love to work with. And they just made it happen. And that yeah, was made, that. Made the connections. Uh-huh. And, Went did there. you did you come down and hang out with them and sort of like hash yeah. things out a little bit? Yeah.
2: Well, it was right to work pretty much. Yeah. I I love it because uh, it's so such a fond memory. I I
1: walk over to RCA, I go in there, they all are sitting on the couch. So this needs a little bit of clarification because people don't know the magnitude of RCA. But Dave Cobb works out of RCA Studio A, which is used the, to yeah at yeah. the time was yeah. working out of yeah. So so that's like Chet Atkins's room, and it's probably the biggest tracking room I've ever been in in my life it's incredible and it's there's so much history in there it's bananas the shit that happened in there uh was that intimidating at all or were you was it just a totally comfortable atmosphere or what was the deal yeah I
2: I I walked in and you know they're so down to earth that yeah all that stuff kind of goes to the wayside right away you you see these you know eight foot tall platinum Chris Stapleton records (laughs) that are, like, you know, leaning against the wall. You see John Prine's Christmas tree. Yeah. You know, you think of Brandy recording in that room. You think of, you know, Jason Isbell's 400-unit record is is tucked on the side. You see the Grammys on the console. And then you just meet Dave, who is this down-to-earth music lover yeah. who makes you feel right at home and brings the best out of you in that way of getting to know you. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't jumped to work we didn't we just sat there and talked and so
1: this is reliever like so this so is you breathless mentioned, oh okay this is
2: breathless from the earthly days record so I did one song oh, my okay. first time oh cool that felt really good so naturally we did
1: a uh, half a record here yeah so so how did that like what do you mean by half a record well I did five songs Okay, so you literally like you completed half the record here and So you, I
2: did 5 songs off a of reliever yeah. with Dave and then the other 6 were with Scott in Winnipeg. It was like a okay. split effort. Yeah. Was that done just because you wanted to do some in Winnipeg or Yeah, you know, yeah. I didn't want to fully depart from the thing mm-hmm. that you know, won me a Juno like
1: Yeah. I, understand.
2: I, I, I still I really love that place, the song shop and what it, it just felt comfortable to make music, so I thought naturally I would go make the record there and then it was under some advice that like it'd be good to go branch out and try something and so we were able to go work with dave for for a few of those songs yeah and i don't know it it elevated the experience of recording for me and it just started to change the way i'd even record and the way it sounded it sounded it was just indisputable how great it can sound
1: did yeah. he set you up in his sort of traditional way of like everyone in pretty tight yeah. together <laughs> in that massive room?
2: Yeah, tight we'll little like, circle and yeah. a couple carpets and
1: all with his guys. Or did yeah. you bring people down with you? Or no, he had some people there for okay. me. Yeah. So I don't know who played on reliever. Like who who were the musicians on that record here? Uh, Chris Powell played the drums
2: okay. on it. Uh, Adam Gardner, well, he played bass. Sorry, on um, on Breathless, but there are a number. Of people after the fact, like, because we would cut the acoustic and the bass and the drums. Okay. So just, and the vocals or just yeah. okay two acoustics, vocal,
1: yeah. bass, drums. So it was the four. And of Dave us. does the other acoustic yeah. y- usually. Like, yeah, I know he yeah. likes to be in there strumming on a, a guitar. <clears> yeah. And then uh, I'm so, I feel bad I don't
2: remember the names right now, but like, That's all right. I remember Kristen Rogers, she sang, she sings mm-hmm. with Eric Church now a lot. Yeah. But she sang harmonies on it and. Um, this, this guy, Phil, who plays with, <laughs> uh, Anderson East, great piano player. Huh. Um, he's all, he's in the photos. Oh. I believe he played on it too. Okay. And so you did some overdubs and stuff. So the, yeah. the, the core band was, you <clears throat> bass, drums, and Dave. Yeah. And he'd send it around and get parts yeah. or bring people in. So this
1: was, was it done in 2019 or something?
2: Uh, the reliever record? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was, uh, January I think of 2019 we okay. would have been recording yeah. and ready for the February 2020 release Ooh, terrible <laughs> yeah well it's a year later and or maybe it was in May I, I think something like that
1: I just mean terrible and, because of COVID
2: <laughs> oh yeah 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 yeah. that was that was
1: fun did your record get delayed for for that for COVID at all nope. or just it came, came out February 7th oh my God the oh COVID, so it came out pre-COVID covid wasn't a thing oh my God and then a month later yeah, you know, did that derail some touring plans and stuff? Everything, everything, yeah. yeah. I,
2: I got dropped, you know. I oh. uh, I was a tax write-off for the label I was working with. Oh and wow! Didn't really get to do much with uh, Reliever in the states. We had a huge tour planned. It was the year of the USA. Oh man! Katie Pruitt was taking me out on on a bunch of dates, and yeah. that was kind of like my first time. I was gonna go to New Orleans Jazz Fest. Oh and I got man! Got pushed back. Yeah, you know, I had a whole six months lined up where I was going to trek across the states and share yeah. this record. And yeah, a lot of that stuff got rescheduled three, four times yeah, and
1: eventually hassle. just... Evaporated. Yeah. Yeah. So how was it different this time? And when did you do the the new record? Uh, it we can talk the, about it as if it has come out, because by the time this podcast comes out, the record will be out. Well, it started the,
2: the first week of... Uh, yeah, it would have been the first week of May. Uh, two weeks in May, I went down to Savannah, Georgia, where Dave has his new studio set up. He's kind of migrating the scene over there. He yeah, started,
1: so tell me about that scene over there.
2: Yeah, well, it's it's him, you know.
1: What's he set up in? Uh, his home. It's so he's, in the he's house. got a converted garage. Has he left RCA? Like he's not there anymore. Yeah, he's not or? there anymore. Wow. Yeah, he and just, he lives in Savannah. Yeah, he he bought a home out there and. He just digs it, or is there something going on there? Well, he's I,
2: originally from Georgia. Oh, right.
1: So he's okay. from there.
2: Yeah. And then he, he shared that his he was just, you know, wanting to be closer to family, mm-hmm. to be with them and look after them and such. And he was building. So the first studio is in that garage, but there's going to be a new building where he moves the entire studio to uh away from the house and such but okay so to be one of the first recordings he had just finished uh greta van fleet and the oh, yeah. war and treaty
1: when i showed up oh, really? so <laughs> there's some yeah. mojo in there already
2: <laughs> it was great yeah and it was, it was, yeah i got drinking the, the tequila I got i don't i don't drink tequila like i said and he converted me <laughs> to the blanco and <laughs> it was really great and I, I got to bring my really good friend mike t kerr from toronto down he's okay He's an American citizen, dual citizen. Yeah. Graduated from Berkeley. A true he wizard on the guitar. guitar yeah. yeah. So all the electric is Mike T. Kerr on this record. But yeah. Stand in the joy. It's it's very much about me being vulnerable enough uh, to to just express my my joy and happiness and really share that with everybody. You know, I've I've dealt with a lot of grief and loss mm-hmm. and and heartbreak and in its own melancholy way, but yet hopeful. And this time it was about focusing on love and time, like thinking of my own mortality and like mm-hmm. what's the point of all these great successes and blessings and things if you're not gonna truly enjoy them. You know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm doing a bit of a disservice to those that love me and want me to to do well by, you know, not fully Embracing it and not allowing myself out of the fear that it might go away or, you know, who I was in a different time, a different <laughs> life isn't worthy of the joy and things that have manifested now. Um, that was a lot of a lot of learning and unlearning, going to therapy and, you know, writing songs. I realized I've written songs while in love with people, but these are the first songs that I've written while truly loving somebody mm-hmm. that's that's my wife to be I'm mm-hmm. newly engaged and congrats so thank you yeah I'm, I'm really excited about this next chapter of life you know having mm-hmm. a a wife and again my my son Wyatt who's just my world you know he really really brings so much joy so it's it's focused on them it's like take stock of of the life you have right now it's real you're not an imposter you know yep. you can And again, that stems from a life of hills and valleys where sometimes we wouldn't share our joy, our happiness, our accomplishments, because so many family members and friends living on reserve are suffering and dealing with the effects of no opportunity, of lack of resources and, you know, ways of dealing with trauma and alcoholism, substance abuse, all these things that plague the First Nations of Canada to this day. and that were the direct result of colonization and removal of culture and language like we have people swimming missing an identity and because of that they tend to you know harm themselves and harm those that they love so I grew up right around that Mm -hmm. but I'm so thankful for the love of my parents that kind of zeroed in on me and said there's more to life than this and we want you to do well in school or music eventually. And now, you know, if my dad was still here, he'd be so proud and happy about all the things we're doing. So yeah, stand in the joy is, 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 is proclaiming that saying, look at me, look at, look at this person from this, this first nation reserve getting to stand on the Grand old Opry stage. Yeah, and getting, that's insane. Getting to open these shows for incredible artists that I admire, getting to make records with the greatest producer of our time right now, mm-hmm. and, you know, like, making friendships with real artists who consider me a peer. Like, it's all about acceptance and belonging, you know? yeah, Everybody wants that. Everybody wants a purpose that drives them, that fulfills them, I believe. And, you know, to, to fit in, you yeah. know, and bit of an outsider for a while and then now i'm getting to a place that who i am is is who people want to be around and are yeah man happy to know so believe it you know (laughs) it's right here it's real we're doing this we're we're on the podcast we're in nashville talking about album four of all things when i thought i I didn't even get album one i didn't know if that was going to ever happen Mm -hmm. and it just seems like that first decade was about acknowledging some of the pain that really shaped me and what I had survived the trauma of it all and different things with family and growing up on the reserve and, you know, separation from partner, the death of my dad, you know, mm-hmm. my own health, taking different turns. Yeah, that'll do it. And then now is about, Hey, you made it, mm-hmm. you know, be an example, be a light and keep be joyful, keep, be joyful, keep shining because, joy is a little foreign for me like it was like why why be happy why celebrate mm-hmm. when it's just going to go away you know so now i'm being brave and and saying yes this this is my life that i have made and i love no one's going to take it from me you can you can enjoy it Be, leave a good memory for your son. You want a grouchy old dad, you know, (laughs) stomping around the house because he's depressed. And (laughs) so I I fight against, I kick against it all the time and say, no, I'm going to be gentler with those I love. I'm going to watch how I speak. I'm not going to raise my voice anymore. I don't want to be sarcastic and rude because, you know, broken heart of mind tells the story of all those things that I'm trying to change. And Mm -hmm trying to live longer trying to get my health right all those things
1: that are important tell me about that song because that's like that's like a classic country like nobody really writes songs like that like that anymore or pulls them off the thing that's cool about that is like you aren't mimicking that style at all like you're totally doing your own thing but man it's like a classic country ringer yeah
2: i i I love that you say that thank you I, i i try to think like most people that do
1: stuff like that, they it sounds affected or something. You don't sound affected. Well,
2: you know, one of the coolest parts is having Paul Franklin on that song. I was going to say, uh, you he's know, one of my heroes. Steel guitar is just, I, I really, um, I was passionate about including steel guitar on that song. I, I, I sought that sound mm-hmm. and I wanted it to sound like an old country song because a song like that is one that truly resonates with the people that, might be having a party in the garage on the reserve <laughs> with a couple of cases of beer for the weekend and yeah. allows you to take stock for a second and say, you know, this broken heart of mine is my own doing. It's my own way of pushing <laughs> people away that has me lonely. It's my own uh, lack of patience and respect and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, counterintuitive to the wisdom I proclaim to adhere to through the seven teachings, the seven sacred grandfather teachings of First Nations, Anishinaabe, that's like love and humility, truth, respect, honesty, wisdom, you know, all these different things that kind of make up my core value system. And that's what I want to be. I want to be all those things. But everybody deserves to know the full story. I'm not trying to be some phony out here who's some pastor, some healer, some music man thing, nothing like that. I, I'm just a human being living out the human experience, trying to be better every day, trying to bring light and positivity into the world. And that's even that can make you feel self-conscious because it's not as romantic as stumbling with the whiskey bottle and smoking myself till I have no voice left. And that's the path I was going down mm-hmm. for a while. You know, I got a whiskey bottle tattooed on my arm because at one point in life, that was it. You know, I was really struggling, having a hard time. But with my diabetes, with my predisposition to heart disease and being a little overweight as an indigenous man, that stuff's just going to send me to an early grave. Mm -hmm. I got to really take hold of that because I want to live long for my son's wedding. You yeah. know, I want to play golf with him when he's 37. Right. I want to, I want to see his dreams come to fruition and not be in a wheelchair or not able to make it up the stairs to, to witness it. You know, that's something that I've had to contend with, with my own family. And so, yeah, stand in the joy is very much my declaration and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to really stand here in the in the light of what i have mm-hmm. i'm not gonna sit and grieve what i lost or what i don't have because I'm pretty happy with the way things are going
1: so the broken heart of mind song like did you set out to write a like a straight up country song was that something that you <laughs> like did you sit down and say i'm gonna write me a Gosh, country song you today. will not <laughs> believe how
2: that song came to be i drove out to the sagging first nation to participate in a in an indigenous ceremony yeah and it was just about cleansing it was about talking about lessons with an elder who had since passed dave kushane uh an elder who guided me and helped me through a really difficult time that i was living through and in my car without music without anything i, I wrote every bit of that song oh. sang it into my iphone yeah and i was like broken heart of mine like come on like that's his you know that's almost as simple as always have what we had you know like <laughs> that's yeah. another one of those songs and it just felt like its own thing and i wanted it to have country staple feel uh-huh. you know people already i've only played that song for a handful of people and they immediately think george jones which is wild It does love.
1: sound like a george jones song you know um yeah. so
2: that's that's just that's just the old country i grew up yeah. finding its way to the surface so no other explanation other than... It was effortless, though. It wasn't it something like, was. that you labored over. No. It's it, so cool. Those ones are the best. They almost write themselves in a rush. Like, they just pour out of you. And I, I, I'm i thankful for those songs, because there are some that you labor with and give time or shy from, or they just don't become things sometimes. And that one...
1: Did Paul Franklin uh, join you guys in the studio, or was that an no, overdub? No, it was or? after, because
2: originally we weren't going to put on weren't going to put the steel on, thinking that it might be too country. Too country yeah, yeah. I said, nope, country it up. I, I <laughs> want it. So I was driving out to Pegwus, just getting cell signal again. And Paul and uh, Brandon Bell called me from yeah. the studio and said, hey, you know, I got Paul here. And then I got to talk to Paul Franklin. And he yeah. just like gushed about, gushed about the song. Yeah. He's like, William, I'm just sitting here I want to do that kind of sparse leading kind of George Jones thing and I was just like my face was hurting from smiling (laughs) talking to him and just thinking of you know of course his history but the fact that those worlds come together for a moment and he's playing on my record and yeah yeah, a
1: really unforgettable contribution uh, amazing
2: live forever
1: yeah but in general was that record done in a similar way where it was like you and dave and some of the other people in that play on the record in in the house house and
2: small we were in a room this big okay just like this and in a circle dave was behind a wall to cut the bleed yeah mike t my friend mike t kerr was across from me Mm -hmm. Uh, he had a guitar brian allen on bass and chris powell was downstairs in a drum room on camera so we were watching okay. him on a video screen are we those had, guys from savannah yeah. or are they from here no, they're from nashville okay yeah so they came over for the two weeks and yeah i had to go to a new orleans jazz fest in the middle of recording too so mm-hmm. for one night i popped over there and nice played a show stevie nicks was playing that night oh. and like yeah it was great back my first time to new orleans and then I came right back got back to work then my uh my partner showed up the last the second week and she did all the harmonies in two days oh cool so she sings with me nobody knows my voice better than she does and yeah. she's on the cover and this whole record is truthfully an ode to her and her oh, love wow. and what it brings to my life you know yeah. and Stand in the joys is, is about what she does she has such a, a beautiful light heart and can laugh things off not be so serious and yeah. you know nothing pins her down I, I admire her spirit and the song "Tankeray," you know, tells our love story. That's a pretty, great song. Pretty much start to where it is now. And uh-huh. yeah, I think of Goldie Hawn's another Yeah, tell song. me about that song. I, I love that song just because it's uh, it's my tribute to women. Women are the just the greatest, you know. They're just better. <laughs> and uh, uh, everybody that works at Six Shooter Records my whole life, my tour manager, my sound person, my partner, you know, women who are all so incredible in their own ways. And I thought that every, every person I mentioned in that song, I mentioned, you know, Goldie Hawn, the actress right away, the movie cactus flower, her first performance won her an Academy award, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I think of, uh, Georgia O'Keeffe, like the, the beautiful art, the modern beauty. And I think of Joni Mitchell, this mm-hmm. is the sound of, and the spirit of Joni. My partner possesses pieces of that. So I thought, why not write it out? And then uh, cool. her favorite flowers are yellow. So I picked some yellow flowers for the, the final verse and yeah. wanted to share. And so it's it my way of saying, you know why I love you so much? It's because you're kind of like Joni this way. You're you're kind of like Goldie this way. and love it. You know, um, yeah. Incredible women to pay tribute to and yeah, yeah. I'm 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 so thrilled with that song. The way it turned out. The
1: guitar playing on that song is cool too. Like the finger-picking stuff. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about that? Like as far as what your, how your guitar playing has kind of evolved and who who you were into. Like maybe like a John Prine kind of influence there. Totally. I guess something like that. Yeah. yeah
2: you know, it's uh, taking lessons with uh, with Mike in Toronto on oh, Zoom yeah. once in a while.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm surrounded by. Is it something you work on? Like do yeah. you, oh you do oh, okay yeah.
2: yeah. I wasn't a very good guitar player when I made my first record. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I was a, I was a rhythm player, yep. you know, not much of a finger picker yet. Mm-hmm. So it's something I'm constantly working on, like, um, trying to get better. Cause if you want to contend in folk music, you know, with the Gordon Lightfoot's and, yeah. and all these people that play with thumb picks and such, you know, uh, I wanted to. I need to up my abilities so that I could write better songs. So mm-hmm. John Prine apparently played with two fingers. That's yep. how I play essentially, thumb okay. and pointer. Um, yeah, but then just incorporating the roll using uh, every finger, then to get that kind of classic, you know, bass sound going. Is there a little
1: like maybe Mississippi John Hurt or some kind of blues stuff in there too? Was that ever a thing for you?
2: Uh, I didn't really take. To the blues as much. I liked a little bit of BB King, and mm-hmm. it's tough to say Clapton's name now the, these yeah. days. But like, he was an earlier influence where I just thought he was great. And then I I, I studied that. My brother was a guitar player too, who loved yeah. the blues, so I kind of knew the basics. And um, you know, country gospel. It's a cousin of that stuff. You sure. think of the turnarounds and the yeah. lead ups and the the seventh chords and the chords leading into other chords and such. So yeah, it's it's all part of all part of it. But I think with that song, that song only has one part. It's four chords. Yeah. One part over and over and over again, the entirety of the song. Yep. Yeah. So to make it what it is, where it feels like it has all these different points of, you know, almost contention and then climax at the end kind of thing. And uh, that's just the brilliance of Dave Cobb and the musicians I got to work with.
1: So sonically, there's sort of like, there's your finger picking on one side kind of thing. And then there's like another finger picking thing on the other side. Is that you doing both or is that Dave? No, Dave's
2: doing doing the acoustic uh, lead line and then Mike's doing the electric lead line. He's also playing this really cool, like crystallized affected guitar yeah, that yeah. sounds like a delay and echoey reverbs and such.
1: And do you get your mitts into that kind of stuff at all? Like, as far as like instructing what you're looking for, or does he just you just sort of give him free reign to do his thing, or how does that work?
2: Yeah, you? I tr- I trust the others with mm-hmm. their specialty. You know, yeah. I try to bring a really good song to the core. Yeah, and um, from there, they're 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 hard to mess up. You know, as as Dave says, you know, like if you just let them. Oh, you can mess them up. Yeah, you can let them lead the way. You know, yeah. uh, that's the thing. We're we're here to serve the song, yeah, not get in its way. And so subtlety is really great. And uh, I was, you know, I'm, I was insecure about my playing, and that's just another thing that feels like a big brother thing no nah, man your, your playing is great we're gonna do this together we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna cut this thing and you're a part of it and these are your songs and like yeah i would just hire the monkeys you know the wrecking crew <laughs> <laughs> monkey style and just have the greatest players but then my soul is not in there yeah what's what's at the heart of these songs is the way they were written at my kitchen table they were elevated songs like young uh, Young had about the most done to it, I'd say, as far um, as like the son- song itself, or like from sonically? where it started to okay. where it is now. To follow the melody of my voice with the actual guitar chords, more of a piano thing. Yeah, um, to put that into guitar language was a really great change that challenges me now. And
1: do you write on the piano at all? Because piano is a big part of the record and of yeah, like yeah. all your records Lee right?
2: Pardini did all okay. the piano on, on that record he you don't play you don't write on the piano ever no I can I play very simple piano mm-hmm. I can chord and, yeah. but I'm not a player yet that's part of my five year plan I want to be good. like Neil where I can yeah. switch pull to the piano pull off a show doing
1: some piano yeah that's a good goal
2: but Lee was really tasteful too Is it it's quite incredible like how the moments work out my mom was in Winnipeg watching Chris Stapleton at the big arena hmm and Lee Pardini has recently joined Chris on tour, playing organ and piano. Okay, plays with Dawes. Yeah, and he's like a favorite of a lot of people that I know. And I just I again had just gotten familiar with him through the record, and we haven't met. I haven't had the pleasure, but he did such an incredible job, and I'm so thankful that he was part of it. So, oh, so his stuff was done remotely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he had played in Winnipeg. The night before he flew home to no Nashville. Way.
1: Yeah.
2: My mom watching him on stage. That's crazy. The next thing he would do is go home to his studio and record all the organs and piano and keyboard for my record. Wicked. So that that, that, that was That must like, have freaked her right out. That was a cool thing. I was like, <laughs> Do you realize that guy you were watching on stage <laughs> last night yeah. went home and did all this stuff for me? It was yeah. Just
1: incredible. Wow. So the new record is out and are you gonna be what's the touring situation? Are you gonna be at it full tilt or do you try and keep that to a reasonable level or what's your take on all that?
2: Yeah, you know, like I say, the year of the USA. Uh, I'm I'm touring with the War and Treaty for a month. Oh, good. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the record comes out and then we hit the road. So that's that's gonna be great. Yeah. Looking forward to They're it. They're
1: nice guys. Oh, yeah really really sweet um will you play solo or do you have a band with you oh yeah, yeah i'm
2: doing half hour opening sets yeah. so be my tour manager and my fiance and i beautiful hitting the road and you know town to town kind of thing yeah they're really generous with bringing me and uh, I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to it like like say it just it extends my life in a way you can't mm-hmm. you can't just tour canada forever that's right um and so it's really, really important to me that I start playing these festivals in every state, and just the exposure right now. I'm, I'm starting. I'm a rookie, you know. I'm, I'm starting to climb, and uh, I'm thankful for the connections I've made. I, like Katie Pruitt, you know, being from Nashville, and mm-hmm. my friend Allison Russell, who's just had. The most incredible year. with I yeah. was in her band for
1: about five years. So. Oh my
2: goodness! <laughs> All right. Uh. <laughs> and
1: I, well, actually, we we sort of grew up together in Vancouver, so wow. I, I've known her for twenty five years or so. Well, she's a gem. She I lives a love block her. down. Jeez. Yeah. She's done pretty good. Lived
2: with Yola for a while too. Then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yola she, took, me, took me on the road as well. Oh, did she? Oh, cool. really sweet. We did yeah. the UK together, so yeah. her presence is just really felt in this
1: town now, too. It and is, so, yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, just feet from stardom. I mean,
1: yeah. Wilder things have happened. Well, this Opry thing is pretty massive. That's yeah. crazy. So did that come out of the blue, or were you kind of, uh, was that something you were trying for, or how did that happen? It felt out
2: of the blue. Most things do, you know. I'm mm-hmm. really minding my own business when Shauna, my manager, will just chime in hey guess what you know and mm-hmm. brings the good news and then all right i guess we're doing this thing but i almost didn't believe it at first i was just like like the, the opry like the grand old opry <laughs> the like, opry yeah and i was like i'm gonna go play there and like yeah it's ready to go and yeah. it's still hitting me now like it's uh it's tomorrow right saturday oh saturday okay yeah yeah, yeah,
1: Man, yeah. that's nutty so, so I get to do two so songs. Two songs, yeah. Yeah, I'm
2: going to do uh, When You Miss Someone and Breathless. Okay. Nice. So everybody loves Elvis again right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Are you freaked out about it or is it just no. going to be a gig? No, I'm yeah. excited. Nice. I'm, I'm ready to go. All right. It'll be great. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, and you've got a gig here at 3rd and Lindsley? Yeah, playing uh,
2: for the Noon Hour radio show.
1: For, oh, the uh, WMOT thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool.
2: They're having me on to to sing a song or two. Yeah. So that's that's a good experience. I, I think I'm, I'm really fortunate, like to have help in some way. I think that's the way of saying that there is room for me here. You know, uh, feels like it. Yeah. I, I, there, there needs to be somebody. There needs to be a First Nations Americana star, and I volunteer as tribute.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm here. I'll do it. I'll do it. All right.
2: Fine, you know.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> ah, love it. Well, that's exciting, man. I'm really excited for you. I can I, I'm always th- thrilled when Canadians come down and play on the Opry. I saw Allie when she was on the Opry. Her debut was probably a year ago, I guess, and it was pretty exciting for her. Yeah, I so think many. she was kind of freaking out, but it sounds like you got it under control.
2: Great things happen, you know. I'm. I'm. History is is always. Uh, it's exciting to me to think of what it means and like just the you know, the people that have stood on the old section and uh, yep, it just makes me feel like it's uh, all the work is paying off. Like Get your name said there, be seen on that stage and then I'm not such a stranger to this place, you know, I've been in studios while I've been in town, I, I'm gonna play the basement one time, I gotta play that venue, you know, yep. and yeah, we're playing the Brooklyn Bowl with Warren Treaty when they come oh, back cool. at the end of the tour. It's so, a great venue. Yeah, so that's going to be a nice experience. Yeah,
1: are you doing any like Canadian festivals or anything in the summer? Like, do you do that? Yeah, there'll be a couple.
2: Yeah, they 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 pop up, and Canada's so good to me. They they want me to come see them and play for them. And I just wrapped a massive tour in the fall. That was really successful. My biggest to date. And oh, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy because I'm starting to be able to bring my band in Canada more and more. It's nice, it's a recalibrating record, you know? These are love songs, these aren't gospel songs, these aren't songs with an asterisk, these aren't songs as duets, this is just me re-entering the octagon and saying, you know, Here I these, am. These are the songs I like to write, this mm-hmm. is how I feel, and stand in the joy. I'm, that's that's going to start off the next decade of this journey, and
1: I'm Wicked. happy, I'm happy. Well, good for you, man. Thank you. I'm excited for you.
2: Oh, jeez.
1: And thanks for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. Let's do another one. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in and listening, everybody. Music Makers and Soul Shakers podcast is produced at the Henhouse Studio in East Nashville, Tennessee. Please remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You can find more info on this episode, including show notes and an audio playlist for Spotify and Apple Music at makersandshakerspodcast.com. Thank you again to our sponsors this season, Union Tube and Transistor, Spectra 1964, The Deering Banjo Company, Mule Resonator Guitars, and The Hen House Hang. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another chilling episode of Music Makers and Soul Shakers. Over and out.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.